So I'm going to uh, share a, a few images. And when I say each one, I'd like you to think about how each of these images make you feel, what kinds of, what kinds of emotions or thoughts come up. I'll, I'll pause very briefly between each one so you can think about what feelings come up. Okay, here we go. Chicken broth, body temperature water, a plant in a pot, a parking lot, driving 55 miles an hour, normal weather, the sound of a dishwasher. Well, what were your reactions to those things? If not much came to mind or you felt, so what? That is pretty much what I expected us all to feel in response to those images. None of the images I shared are exciting, and certainly it's unlikely that any of them got you stirred up in any way, shape, or form. Well, let's try the same thing again with some other images and think about how each one makes you feel. Massive turbulence on a plane you're on. A class five river rapid. Lightning dancing all over the golf course you're standing on. A powder run. Your first great kiss. A political rally of the party you cannot stand. Fox News. Domestic terrorism, MSNBC. Well, my hunch is that your reactions, your thoughts, your emotions were far mo more potent than anything that came up when I mentioned chicken broth or driving 55 miles an hour. Day in and day out, all of us react moment to moment to what's before us. And some of what comes into our awareness has little effect on us. Other things, however, elicit powerful responses, even intense ones. And like rising and falling pulse rates, we move from peacefulness to getting worked up, both good and bad, all the time. Well, long ago, there was an issue at the time that grabbed a ton of attention, although this issue was not an issue at all, but rather a person. And his name was Jesus. And if you look at the Gospels, it's hard to find anybody that reacted to Jesus as if he was chicken broth. Jesus elicited strong, palpable, and visceral reactions from nearly everyone he encountered. And how people responded was as varied as the people themselves. Well, this morning we're going to take a look at a few moments and take a look at how, Jesus, how, how folks responded to Jesus. And what is amazing is that how people reacted then is often similar to how people react now in all of its various forms. Now, to get us started, I'd like to say something to you. Jesus. 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 Take a moment and think about your own thoughts and feelings that are stirred within you when I say Jesus. My hunch is that there are all kinds of reactions being experienced right now. And as we journey in faith together, I've come to think that from time to time, it's very important to be intentional and assess what Jesus stirs up within us. 
we grow, we learn, we come to understand about more who we are and where we are when we do so. Well, it's with our own reactions in mind that I'd like to dig into the Gospels and explore just some ways that people responded to Jesus when he walked among us. And as we get into the Gospels, think about which stories you might relate to more than others and why. Think about the stories that reflect your own reactions and thoughts about Jesus now in your own faith journey. The goal here is not to tell anyone how to think or what to feel. That's never our goal here at the chapel. That's between each of us and, and God. And the goal certainly is not to criticize anyone or establish some standard as to how we should feel. That's between each one of us and God. Rather, the goal is to raise our own personal awareness of how we react to Jesus. And this is vital because how we react to Jesus dramatically affects our relationship with him, how we relate to other people, how we make decisions, how we face what is hard, and how we celebrate what is good. Said thing, saying this in another way, our response to Jesus is a very, very big deal in our journey in faith. Now I'm going to skim across a bunch of stories from the Gospels that highlight the many reactions that we have to Jesus. And my hunch is that each of us will relate to at least a few. So here we go. Some people reacted to Jesus with fear. You know several of the stories. One evening, Jesus was in a boat out on the Sea of Galilee with his disciples, and a massive storm blew in over the water, and Jesus was asleep with his head on a cushion, a gospel tells us, obviously quite relaxed. The disciples were terrified. They wake up, Jesus, and they're terrified, even more so. And Jesus calms the storm down and asks, why on earth are you afraid? Is it me you're afraid of? Why would you be afraid of me? Why would you be afraid of this storm? Why fear at all in my presence? In another story, Jesus noticed two boats. Jesus stepped into one of the boats and said to the owner, Simon, let's go back out into the sea. And Simon said, well, I've been fishing all night and I haven't caught anything, but if you say so, I'll go back out into the sea. So Jesus and Simon went back out in the boat, and when the nets were let down, so many fish were caught, the boat almost sank. And it's interesting what Jesus said to Simon, and he said, don't be afraid. Fear, what role does fear play in our lives and in our relationship with Jesus? What about uncertainty in our relationship with Jesus? Do, are we ever worried about how God might react or respond to us or our prayers or our life or our problem? Has Jesus ever made you nervous or anxious? Does the name of Jesus cause you to feel uptight in any way? And if so, why? Some people reacted to Jesus by trying to hide their relationship with him. A man named Nicodemus, who I spoke about last week, was a religious leader who had a lot of power. And one evening, when it was dark, he went to see Jesus. And whatever the reasons, and there may have been many, it's clear he wanted no one to see him with Jesus. Nicodemus, at first, wanted to hide the fact he was connecting with Jesus. He did not want those who knew him to be aware of what he was up to. 
Well, what's interesting is that Nicodemus eventually got over his hiding, his relationship with Jesus. In fact, he began acting in confident ways, demonstrating his relationship. Like Nicodemus, have we ever hidden our relationship with Jesus or our faith in any kind of way? Have we ever not mentioned our faith or what we do on Sunday mornings or not engaged in a conversation about faith or worried about how others might react to us because we are Christian, been ashamed or held back from uttering Jesus' name? Reminds me a long time ago, a woman at a parish I was serving, I think it was probably 20 years ago, she asked to speak to me. He said, Robert, I, somebody's really troubling me, and I, I'd like to talk to you. And I said, sure. And she said, Robert, I want to have a relationship with Jesus, but I'm not one who tries to make him a political figure. I'm not exclusive in my thinking. I'm not narrow-minded. I'm not mean, like I perceive some followers of Jesus to be. And whenever I hear the name of Jesus, even worse, when I say the name, I'm concerned someone will think I'm like people I totally disagree with. People who claim Christianity, Robert, you, well, you, you, you know what I mean. She was sad, and I was sad too, because I too have felt some of what she was speaking in the course of my life. And I remember I said something to her like, please don't let anyone take Jesus away from you. Jesus is not owned by a political party or a megachurch, even when they think so. Related to all of this is denying having anything to do with Jesus or Christianity. Remember the story of Peter after Jesus had been arrested? Peter's in a courtyard. Someone recognizes him and asks, hey, aren't you a follower? Aren't you one of those? Weren't you with Jesus? And Peter replies, nope, not me. You have someone else in mind. I don't even know the guy. Well, perhaps the opposite of denial or hiding our relationship with Jesus is not being concerned what others think about our faith. Like Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? A grown man, wealthy, a short little fellow. He hears that Jesus was coming down a street in Jericho, so he runs out, but he can't see over the people staying in front of him because they're tall and he is not. So he decides to climb up the branches of a sycamore tree, a grown wealthy man doing such a thing. He could have cared less what others thought about him climbing up a tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. He wanted to connect with Jesus. And it's a great reminder that one reaction to Jesus is not being concerned about what others might think. Some people reacted to Jesus by putting other things and responsibilities first. One day, Jesus was out walking along a road. He ran into several people, and Jesus said, follow me. And two of the fellows immediately came up with some excuses. They said, I'll follow, but I've got some things to take care of first. And while they may have been important responsibilities, they responded to Jesus by putting other things first. We're all human. We all have things to take care of. We would be irresponsible not to meet certain expectations and demands. But there's a question, and that is, how do our responsibilities affect our faith journey and our walk with Christ? Similarly, on another day, Jesus ran into a man with a lot of assets. He was a really good guy with lots of integrity. He treated people well. He had good character. 
But money was too important to him, and he put money ahead of his relationship with Jesus. Perhaps we too are struggling with where our hearts are, knowing that some of what our treasure is may get in the way of relationship with Christ. Some people reacted to Jesus with anger. During one Sabbath day, people were gathered to worship. Jesus shows up and he's handed a scroll with scripture verses. He reads it aloud to the crowd and then he says, well, I've just read this and today what I just read is fulfilled in me. I'm the Messiah. Doesn't go over very well. The people get mad. In fact, they're so mad they grab Jesus, let him out, let him out to the town, to the edge of a cliff and try and throw him off the cliff. But Jesus simply walks away through the crowd. Aside from anger, some people reacted to Jesus with absolute trust. Jesus is in the town of Capernaum, the town on the Sea of Galilee from which many of his apostles were from. And it's there in that town by the sea that a Roman military man hears that Jesus is around and he sends a message to Jesus. He says, Jesus, one of my servants is sick and about to die. I don't need to trouble you by taking up a lot of your time, and I'm not worried to be in your presence, but if you'll simply say the word, I know my servant will be healed. When I say to my soldiers, do it, they do it, and I know it's the same with you. If you say my servant will be healed, he will be healed. Jesus was amazed at the level of complete, no questions asked, total trust the man had in response to him. Such trust was also known by a man with leprosy, who one day approached Jesus and said, if you are willing, you can heal me. And these stories compel us to ask, in our relationship with Jesus, where are we with trusting him? Some people reacted to Jesus by needing concrete, tangible, visible proof that he was who he said he was, and that he is alive and remains with us. Many of us know the story of Downing Thomas, the fellow who was not with his disciples when Jesus first appeared after his resurrection. He needs proof from Jesus that he has passed through death into a new life. How many of us have sought evidence, something tangible, or reacted to Christ in a way that showed that we wanted some evidence? The list of reactions to our Lord found in the Gospels goes on and on and on and on. Some people were willing to sacrifice everything. Some people lived in response to Jesus with gratitude. Some spent their lives around Jesus wondering who on earth he really is. Some would do anything to connect to him. Some told everyone about him. Some felt that he showed up too late. Some felt his presence. Some worshipped him. And some reacted to Jesus by loving him with all of their hearts, with all of their soul, and with all of their mind. And while there are many other ways in which people reacted to Jesus and still do, there's one last reaction I'd like to touch upon this morning. And by the time we get to the third chapter of Mark, Jesus had been very busy. And it's at this point he goes up to a mountain to pray in order to choose his apostles. And after making decisions... He comes down the mountain into a village, and the scene is total chaos. In the midst of this frenzy, we find one of the most interesting reactions to Jesus in all of the Gospels. 
And the reactions come not from strangers, but from Jesus' family. They say to Jesus, and they say about Jesus, Jesus is out of his mind. Other versions of the Bible state in this verse as, he's gone mad. He's beside himself. He has lost his senses. And this is coming from his family. And my favorite version of the Bible, this verse says, he must be crazy. But whether or not his family understood it, calling Jesus crazy is brilliant, inviting, engaging, and has a lot to say to us about our walk with Jesus and our reactions to Jesus. Michael Curry, the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, is someone I quote a lot, had to say this about this very specific verse. And I quote with some very slight adaptations. Michael writes, When Jesus' family heard what Jesus was up to, they thought he was crazy and went to get him under control. But trying to get Jesus under control is exactly the problem. We want to manage the Messiah with all of our views and thoughts and perspectives. But the Messiah won't be managed. So forgive me, Michael goes on for saying it this way, but Jesus was and is crazy. And those who follow him, those who would be his disciples, are called to be exactly that, crazy like Jesus. And if you ask me what the church needs today, I would say we need some crazy Christians. Crazy enough to love the way that Jesus loves. Crazy enough to give like Jesus. To forgive like Jesus. To do justice, love mercy. To walk life humbly like Jesus. Crazy enough to be humble in this world. Crazy enough to dare to change the world from the nightmare it often is into something closer to the dream that God has for it. Crazy means that sometimes we march to the beat of a different drummer. Sometimes it means that we care more when we're tempted to care less. Sometimes it means standing up when others are sitting down. Sometimes it means speaking up when others are shutting up. Sometimes it means being different from everybody else and following Jesus in the very radical, trans, you know, anti-culture way that it means. Michael goes on, sane, sanitized Christianity is killing us. Comfortable, demure Christianity may have worked once upon a time, but it won't carry the gospel anymore. We need to be crazy enough to believe that God is real and Jesus lives to follow the radical, countercultural way of the gospel, to believe that the love of God is greater than all the powers of evil and death, and to believe that there is plenty of room in God's kingdom because every human being is being created in the image of God. Crazy enough to catch a glimpse of the transforming, transfiguring, life-changing vision of our Savior Jesus. And to Michael, my brother, I have to say, right on. We don't need self-righteous, angry Christians that claim Jesus on the political stage. We don't need hateful, judgmental, exclusive Christians that forget that every human being has been created in the image of God. 
We don't need mean, spirited, selfish, self-surfing Christians. We don't need anti-people Christians or fearful Christians or elitist Christians. What we need is what Michael said. We need crazy Christians. Crazy enough to make our lives about the love of God in a world that often doesn't give it to him. You see, it's only love and only the love of God that will bring about change, lasting solutions, renewal in the lives of those who have lost hope, and the discovery of why we're here in this life to begin with. So I pray that one of our responses to Jesus is to be crazy like Jesus. As I enclose, I invite each of us in the days ahead to think about some very important questions. Where is your heart, June 2021, with Jesus? How do you react to him? And why? How do those reactions affect you in our lives? How do they enhance or diminish our faith journey? Talk to somebody else about this topic today. Pray that God will deepen your relationship with him. And this final caveat, through it all, remember this. Jesus loves you, forgives you, accepts you as you are. Wherever you are in your journey of faith, whatever you have done. Jesus met people wherever they are, and he does the same with you and with me. Thank God. And amen.